This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 263, recorded on June 2nd, 2016. News, reviews, product updates, and conversations, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we post the show each week with world class show notes out at theaverageguy.tv. You can also join us live on our mobile app, really the easiest and the best way to get the show each week. If you have to be on the road for some reason, we stream it, available both iPhone and Android uh, platforms available for you. Big buttons available, easy to subscribe to. We want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that app. And of course, it's uh, built by Spreaker. Head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. And I, I'm surprised, Mike, I still get, like last week we had 10 people use the app during the show to, to watch it live. So It's because it's perfect. It works great. It's reliable. It doesn't use much bandwidth because it's audio. It's a great way to listen. Yeah. No, it works very well. So we thank uh, LastPass for that. Of course, HomeGadgetGeeks is the part of Geeks Network. Find the links to this show and many other great podcasts. And Dave McCabe's been on a roll a little bit. I'm a little concerned about him. He's actually podcasting a little more often than he normally does. And uh, he has a new uh, home server show out, although I think he's talking about sprinklers. So not Dave, not really home server, but that's okay. We've got a lot of home automation stuff coming up today. Uh, get, grab those podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. All right, speaking of Dave McCabe, a guy who hangs out with us, uh, when we, whenever we do uh, meet up in Indianapolis, Dwayne, I think you've been there for the last three. Is that right? At least. Yeah, I think three or four. And and I'm Dwayne going Robinson. To the next one too. And he will be uh, already set. I think September eighteenth, something eighteenth, something like that, in Indianapolis. Yep. I think that's the date uh, that we have going for. Hey, uh, Mike, are you yeah. uh, are you going to be open for uh, Indianapolis this year? We tried to get you last year. Yeah, you bailed we, we will see because now it's all up to the job. So I start. Oh, I'll, be, yeah. I'll be at the new job then, but that gives me actually maybe a little bit more flexibility instead of yeah. school. So we no, will see. You'll need a three day weekend. It's going to be the sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, and probably nineteenth. So we'll see. Well, hopefully they're going to be cranking down on you pretty hard on the new job. But yeah, Indianapolis, Indiana, Dwayne will be there, and uh, I will be there. I hope uh, in between my travel schedule. Uh, Dwayne, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, for those who don't know you, and a lot of the listeners also listen to Home Show and Surface Geeks and some of those, so some know you, but for those who don't, and I never know what I can and can't say with you about your job and some of those things, so I'm going (laughs) to let you say it. A little bit about what you do for Microsoft. So, yeah, so I work for Microsoft. I've been there going on year 12 now, so I'm... been there for Bill Gates, been there for Steve Ballmer, and been there for Satya Nadella. And uh, I got to watch the entire process. I think Windows XP was like coming out when it was out whenever I was there. So I've seen everything from 7 and Vista launch and 8 and now 10. Um, but uh, my role there, I work for the consulting services side, and I have recently actually taken a new role. I'm now what we call a cross domain solution architect, and I work at in the American theater of the world. Uh, there are people like me that work on sort of the new cutting edge things, things that haven't been done before, and also, uh, or things that are um, just across many different platforms with Microsoft. So it's my job to kind of take the Legos and assemble the Legos to solve business problems. 
So, and I get uh, I get to do some fun stuff. Some things that uh, eventually maybe come out that will be really really cool that uh, I can't talk about. <laughs> but no, there are you guys good. always tease us with that stuff. I hate, <laughs> I hate when I go to a Microsoft event and they're like, "We got some great stuff, but we can't tell you." And I'm like, "Well, then why did you even say it?" No, we always know there's because we stuff. like to tell you that we're doing cool. We stuff. always know there's some great stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm an MVP. No privileged information around this stuff, but we know there's some great stuff coming up on Azure. We know there's some great stuff coming up around virtual reality. They've already talked about that with some with adding in on the new Windows 10 build. There's some holographic stuff that's coming. We don't exactly know what or where or why, but there's some interesting things coming out there. So there's some great... Uh, Microsoft's got new energy. Dwayne, do you feel that on the inside? Is that kind of... in? in really, I, the last year has been a really good year for Microsoft. Yeah. I assume you're feeling that on the inside. Yeah, it's really funny because uh, there seems to be all this... Like if I watch Windows Weekly, it sometimes kind of frustrates you in some ways because you you see the focus around the whole consumer technology piece and there's been great things happening in service and and other things but then it seems like there's so much focus as Microsoft still being a Windows company that people miss the forest for the trees for the other things that we're doing that maybe are a little bit more innovative and things that you know I, I get to have discussions with some of my peers around, everybody's saying, well, Microsoft is really embracing other platforms. And what you're finding is that we're really realizing that there's money to be made and there's areas to be made and other places and there's so everything's becoming a computer. So the reality of everything being Windows, sure, we would love it, absolutely, and we're going to fight for platforms, but that's not necessarily means that we're not part of the picture. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we do that people don't even know that it's Microsoft behind the scenes, right? And so, so it's an interesting world to live in, and it's it's very interesting as an employee to to see the difference between what you know and what you understand, and what's in the press. It's it's very it, yeah. it can be frustrating sometimes. Sometimes I just sit and scream at the at the at the screen. You know, you're like, oh, <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't say anything. I mean, it's like, yeah. okay, that's just the way it is, and you know that'll come out. To to tell that you're a true gadget geek, and you're you are like my target audience, by the way. Uh, let's just name a few of the Microsoft products you have available to you, maybe even at your fingertips. We we know there's got to be a okay. Windows Phone of some kind, right? Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Let's just say within my reach. What within do your I reach, have? Yeah, you got a Windows have, Phone. Uh, well, I've got a 640XL. Right. I've got a Lumia 650 with a Moshi back. Nice. I've got. I'm, I'm talking to you on a, um, which is my PC. I've got the uh, Alienware Alpha as my desktop. I've got a Nexus 6P. I've got an iPhone 6S. <laughs> I've got. Let's see. Uh, an Intel Nook. Um, <laughs> Are you, you, run a, you have a Surface. You you have a Surface Pro Four. I have a Surface Pro Four, which you yeah. can see. Yeah, that's the box. the box for it. The cellular then, plan has to be super expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's stupid. I, we don't want anyone to go there. And then I also have the uh, Surface Book. That's the i7 top dog. Yeah, um, and that's working right now, right? They got all the drivers fixed on those things, and yeah, the, for the uh, most part, that's working right. Man, I tell you what, the Surface Book. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I had one, uh, and I've had one since the day it launched. I mean, and I would say that there were points in time when that that thing would get 
three and a half to four hours of battery life. Now it's like all day and just perfect. I, I don't really have a hot bagging issue. Um, I had the hot bagging issue. Like all of the complaints that everyone had, I experienced them all. And But now it has just, it's become rock solid. And, and the Surface Pro 4 that I just got, I got that this week and I'm just getting it set up. Mm. So one of the things you and I talked about uh, as a potential future discussion is let me get some time under my belt because one of the things that was... So Microsoft came out to all the employees and they said, okay, we've fulfilled the back orders on all of the Surface devices. And so they were willing to do... They were kind of holding off on refreshes to say, okay, Windows 10 Plus, we want to make sure that we supply the Surface demand that's there to, to get it ready. And so we just released to let us go and get devices and one of them was you know a lot of different other vendors but in the surface world you could choose between a surface book and a surface pro 4 and so I have used nothing but a surface book for the time since it was released to now and I was surface pro 3 and now I'm going to actually do this hybrid mode where I run them both uh, surface book at home attached to the dock and then I'm going to try traveling with the surface pro 4 and I travel uh, extensively so thinking that way at least I don't have to transfer mm -hmm. between the two and I got a few other little experiments such as I'm running uh, virtual desktops in uh, on a Hyper-V server here at my house right over here and then I also am running one in Azure and I'm testing out the concept of could I just virtualize my work machine and just work from anything and it just connect as I need yeah, so there's a lot of different things I'm playing with. That's something I thought about for a long time and have been testing off and on since Microsoft's allowed, you know, those Windows images in Azure and as a MVP we have access to that to that very expensive MSDN subscription if you try to buy that the, the to be able to virtualize your the Windows boxes, but it's um it's uh, it's one of those kinds of things I it's still a little expensive if you really try to do it in a real mode, but there are times when it would just be handy uh, to just go on to uh, a virtualized desktop on Azure and just use it. So I, I, I flirt with it from time to time. I haven't done it in a while. I turned a VM on one time and then just left it on by mistake, and that will chew up all your credits pretty fast. Check it. Matter of fact, here's the newest release of the Insider build to install on the, oh, yeah, uh, for the phone. 15, so 15, 3.42 or something like that? Uh, fourteen one forty three fifty six one forty three fifty six. Okay. So, uh, on the Azure desktop thing, um, one of the things we'll just kind of give precursors to something as we get into that discussion. I've also been working with Azure Azure Automation Scripts to shut it down and bring it back up to cut down on the cost. Yeah. And then, and I've got that actually up and functioning now. The other thing that um, I would tell you that people who have MSDN and there's a lot of people in the uh, Synology world and the QNAPs and all that type of stuff. They're wanting to do backups. If you didn't hear, we just released Cool Storage for Azure, and it didn't change the API. It just changes the storage cost. And so the backup programs that you have can actually go to the Cool Storage, and the cost of the storage is way less. So you can actually use your MSDN subscription to back up your Synologies and so forth. Hmm. And so it's a it's something I've been doing for a while to test it, and we're talking dollars a month. It's not even enough to make an impact on your on your Azure subscription. And not only that, the Azure subscription that I'm using to do all this testing 
is an MSDN account so that I can use the cap and see how can I maximize my value out of the cap. Right. For, so for someone who doesn't have that MSDN subscription, like me, uh, so like right now I back up to Amazon Glacier, would switching right. over, would there be any benefits to switching over to Azure for my backup? It's a QNAP, same sort of system. Yeah. So, the, so if you're familiar with the Glacier stuff, because I have a backup to Glacier as well, um, the difference is when you want to restore, it's very hard to like pick and choose something to restore. It's right. kind of like blast it all back, or, and it's very expensive for a restore. So if you, if you backed up to S3 storage or you backed up to Azure, just typical just regular storage, you, if you remember, you can actually do selective backup and recoveries, and you can do it file-based. So it makes it a lot simpler and it's a lot quicker. So that's the reason I would tell you that the main reason between the two, um, and it, it would be the com compare the difference between Glacier storage and S3 if you're Amazon. Okay. Yeah, actually I started on S3 and I actually moved down to Glacier just because the cost for me was so much less on Glacier. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a backup of a backup even. So it's a very last ditch effort. And you know, if yep. you, I could take two months to get all the data back and it wouldn't be a problem. I could do a very slow restore and not pay yeah. much there. So I just didn't know if switching over to Azure might be beneficial or not. So think of it that what I would suggest is if they're doing archival and disaster recovery, Glacier is kind of good. But if you looked at like cool storage or S3 or something like that, the cool storage is actually cheaper than S3 storage. So okay. if you, know, you look at it, you can go onto the Azure price calculator and look at it. Um, but in the end, you're not looking at very much. I think if I backed up my Synology to it, it'd be about six to eight dollars a month. Okay. Um, and and that's but I I would tell you think of it that those are things like document backups. I would do things like that or picture backups because you might have accidentally deleted a folder or a picture or something. You just want a single file. That becomes really efficient if you have that situation. Okay. But but you know I'm I'm kind of crazy and I have like 400 backups across continents and crap like that. At this right, point. and that's kind of the way I am too. I had That's just kind of a last-ditch thing, effort. So, yeah, that might be interesting. I might have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of a new cool thing. Dwayne, you do that just because you can, right? That's, that's uh, uh, I do it. Yeah, I do it because I can, and it, it didn't hurt that when I moved to Nashville, they gave me a... Uh, the place that I'm buying my internet has no cap, and oh, nice. it's 100 megabit oh. up and down oh, um, up is, that's on awesome. fiber. Yeah. And then they're about to move me to gigabit. And so my home network connection is actually connected to two different Azure environments with a VPN. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty stupid. But You're not living like the rest of us, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to kind of test stuff for my job. So, yeah, I know. It's so good. It's, 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 it's not good. good that, uh, you, you and the boys. You're not working with the boys anymore, I take it, since you moved. Uh, Rob, Rob, right? Rob and... Yeah, Rob and Chris. Um, Chris. Yeah, it's a Rob and Chris both about a month after I switched roles, they've now switched roles and in, uh, inside of Microsoft as well. But uh, I am not working with them directly, but indirectly we still basically talk almost daily with Rob and weekly with Chris. So we we all kind of use a network internally, but uh, it's pretty neat. It's cool. Yeah. All right, let's let's finish. Let's round out your Microsoft products. Are you, do you have the band? Did you get? Oh, to, oh yes, oh, oh yes. Yeah, band, band two. two. All right, uh, very good. I'm wearing that, and then I have that connected to an iPhone. Uh, at this and then point, you have an Xbox One behind you. Oh my God, I could like scare you. I have a 1020 within range. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even notice that it was there. Um, yeah, I have that. I have another phone too. You you like this? This is a 
an old LG Optimus G. Uh, or something. You get, that's, I think that makes like seven phones on your desk there, Dwayne. It is sad. <laughs> it is really sad. So, yeah, and then I guess the Surface Pro 4 is over here, and I got a, it attached to a 4K monitor. I've got all this other stuff where the Nook and the uh, Alpha are connected. Are you coming in on the Pro 4 for the show? Are you on the Pro 4 now or the Alienware, you said? Uh, right now I'm on the Alienware, and I got you on a 21 by 9, 34-inch widescreen uh, curve monitor. So back there with us doing the, the Geeks, Home Gadget Geeks is connected to the, um, to the Xbox One. And then I have a Synology disk station. Actually, I actually have two of them. On over here, and I have a Hyper-V, two Hyper-V servers. That are are you recording there. with your with your Xbox One? Is that even allowed yet, or are you just watching TV? Or you know, I haven't. How far we are on that? Yeah, I haven't done much with my Xbox Ones to be honest with you, because I had to switch to Direct TV. And when I switched to Direct TV, I ended up on the Genie thing, and then I bought right. the Genie Go. And we could have a whole network, a whole discussion of that, because my old. Um, you actually might be able to see it in the picture, but um, right over here, uh, no, you can't. It's past this keen vent, um, is my old media center. And I retired away from media center, and I have feature parity of media center, full feature parity of media center through uh, the DirecTV Genie. So we could have a whole show yeah. on people who are media center people and how, what pieces and components? Because man, that thing is like a Frankenstein machine that you assemble all the pieces that it takes to get to Media Center. Are they still doing the preview um, for Xbox One, like adding new members to the preview? That I don't know. Um, like I said, I kind of, I kind of fell off of that because when I want to use my Xbox One, there's very low tolerance in my household for, for the Xbox One's not working. Um, the one in my office, I probably should figure out if I can't get it on that. But I mean, I've got one, one, two, th three right now. I'm hoping that uh, at E3 there will be some good announcements that make me compelled to add to additional TVs in the house. But but yeah. it's uh, you know it's good stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we've heard there's some new Xbox things coming. So yeah, and um, and honestly, you'll find that unless you work on that team, you really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so that and Surface. Everybody's always, what's the one with Surface? They don't tell us. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, they'll that, be like a okay. podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that nonetheless. All right, so we've established your gadget geekery. I know there's tons oh. of other things. But did we, yeah. I, I did have to show that, yeah, yeah. that I did right, just buy the, the Chromebook because they keep talking about it on Windows Weekly, and it has got to be the poorest excuse of a computer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> But it runs Chrome well. It's spoken it, like a true Windows guy. It only runs Chrome, but it runs Chrome well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have still yet. We've talked a ton about those. Mike, have you ever done, used a Chromebook? I've, I've used one used once. One. It was a buddy's in college, so an undergrad, so a few years ago, like when they first came out. Okay. But ever since then, no, it's just not an interest to me. I just need something a little bit beefier, even when I'm portable. Yeah. Yeah. No, never, never got it. You know, and since I've had the Surface Pro three, I just that's the, really the nice traveling form factor. And reminded again how nice the Surface Pro three is when you travel because it fits so nicely, even in the cramped, the most cramped of spaces, you can do a ton with the Surface Pro three. And if I need to get to a spot where I where the keyboard, you know, that keyboard's still pretty small. But if it's still not small enough, I can pull out my Wedge keyboard, which is only you know the Microsoft Wedge, so about you know about that big. Put it right in front and attach a Bluetooth and and go, and uh, and that uh, Surface will stand on its own. Great airplane, um, 
you know, great, great piece of equipment to have on an airplane. That's See, so that's you, what... you want to get a laugh about the Surface Book. So here's my Surface Book story on an airplane. Again, I travel a lot. I'm sitting and I have the and I have the laptop in front of me, right? I have it in laptop mode, and the lady comes by uh, to say, "We're taking off. You've got to put up your laptop." And I hit the button and I snatch the top off of it and don't even miss my podcast. It just keeps going, right? And I just slammed. I take the the keyboard and I stick it in the tray in front of me, and the lady looks at me and she goes. Smart ass. <laughs> uh, See, and those are the things I'm going back and forth on because my laptop is definitely due for a replacement. We only have two computers in this house. Well, three with the kangaroo. But I have the iMac and then an old MacBook, which is circa 2009. And it's a duo core, which need, definitely needs an update. I'm looking at those Surface Books, Surface, the Apple laptops, of course. And there's so many good options right now for mobile and I've just got to really decide what features I want, what I need, and then compared to price and stuff like that. We all know that the Apples are going to be the most outrageously priced. But, I mean, there's so many other good options. And Jim, now that he's got me into the Windows world, it's just my eyes have been open, and now there's way too many options for me. But I, I can't decide. Sorry, yeah, like Apple that. world. I'm Isn't sorry like I that. did that, Apple No, it, it's, it's a good thing. Isn't there like this new Acer or Asus transformer or something that looks just like a Surface Pro 4? I, I, I think there are some form factors that are getting pretty close. That thing was yeah. pretty funny. I haven't looked, you know, since I got my Surface Pro, I just haven't looked at that form, those form factors very much anymore. It's just, to me, it's not a space I'm really even thinking about replacing or thinking about. I, should, I know I should be, but, you know, there's a lot of Mac ripoffs, too. There's a lot of, you know, PCs that have tried to look like the Mac. And, uh, yeah. and you know some of those laptops, and so Dwayne, I haven't spent a lot of time. Uh, you know, I've got a I've got a workhorse Toshiba that's just unbreakable, which is unbelievable from work. Yep. That that is just continues to just work without ever having any issues. And then when I need small form factor, Surface Pro Three works great for me. And yeah, it's been a good little that's been a good little box. And when I need to. The, the keyboard comes out, or if the ultra small, you know, I'm an iPhone, I've got an iPhone like you, and the iPhone for, for portability and just working, it just works great. And So, so I, what, I, what iPhone do you have? I have the 6. You have the 6? So yeah. you have the Touch ID? Uh, yes. So have you, you had a phone before the Touch ID, so you understand what the Touch ID did to the phone experience for you? Right, yeah. That's what Windows Hello does to the to the Surface Pro 3. Oh, yeah, no, totally, totally, so. yeah. I'm a little disappointed that I can't retro my Surface Pro 3 with Hello, with Windows Hello. Just you can with the touch, uh, the keyboard with the. Um, you can, yeah, but I want the I want the monitor. I mean, I want the. Keyboard. I know. And well, so, and then it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. I sign in with a pin, and that's super fast. And so, you know, that's that. There's no. Just big want to make you buy new hardware, man. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for the <laughs> whatever that's going to be. I'm going to jump the four. So, well, hey, um, Dwayne, we're actually going to probably have you on a couple times uh, between now and the end of the year because you got a ton of stuff to talk about. You recently moved, and when I say recently, within the last year, and in the new place you moved into, you installed a whole bunch of new stuff. And you've been kind of yeah. running the gamut on home automation, and, uh, and it's, you've been staying busy, and you contacted me, and you're like, dude, let's talk some home automation. Can I come on? So... This yep. is over the next, as long as it takes us to kind of work through the topics yeah. you want to do. I don't want to hurry through any of them, but 
But yeah. as we kind of go, let's let's start with Iris because I think that has been I've heard that pop up a lot. I'm not personally I don't use the Iris um, platform at all, but I've heard it a lot. We listen I listen to a Home On uh, Richard Gunther's show, and he's been talking about Iris. But certainly, what's been your experience as yeah. you've been there? So the funny thing is, I started with Iris back in V1 at my old house, and unfortunately, I've been had my house on the market for. 10 months now and it hasn't sold. So I've been running Iris V1 there and I've been running Iris V2 in the new house. So at the time that I moved is when Iris V2 came out and I never installed it at, at my old house. I just immediately installed it in the new one. And moved in here about September. So I've been running Iris V2 since September because I was one of the beta testers for Iris V2. So when we started started with this, um, we'll just say that it was uh, challenging <laughs> is the way that I would put it. Um, and even as it went into beta, it really got, it came out of beta. It, when it came out, it was a lot of frustration of V1 owners for the lack of parity. Um, and I would tell you that I still get emails because I've been on talking about Iris. I, I've done presentations of Iris at... Um, at the uh, meetup, we've you know, and everything. So I've kind of been the champion for Iris out in the community for the Geeks Network, shall we say? And I think a couple of key things to keep in mind is that V2 is what I would call getting close to parity at this point. Um, and when you say parity, you mean with the other? With the V1. Oh, oh okay. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. So yeah, the, and the V1 system, it from from what I can tell, or the rumors that you hear on the internet, I don't know this for for a fact, is that it basically uh, was purchased all up by Lowe's, and someone else made it, and then they were like, okay, the contract's coming due, we don't want to renew it, we want to go to our new V2 system, and I've heard uh, when you talk to Dave McCabe, he'll tell you that smart things from V1 to V2. What they did the same thing Iris did, which is they learned what they needed to learn in their first version, and in their second version, they said, we've got to make this thing manageable. we got to be able to bring devices in more easily. It's got to scale, and all of those different pieces, and they've got to have better ways to support you. I, I can tell you one beautiful thing about V2 is that you can call the support line, and they can see when you say I've got a device hung or whatever, they can literally see the screen the same as you. Hmm. And when you do something, in real time, they'll go, oh, I see you just did that. And so they can walk through and walk you through screen by screen perfectly with you in sync from their computer. And, you know, they, you have to give them permission to do it, and they walk you through a process to do that. But in the end, I, I would tell you, and it's not screen sharing from a device. It's literally they can just see from the system just like you can. Um, and, and that is going to be worth its weight in gold. There's much more extensibility for, for additional devices to be added. Um, like the weird thing is Iris supports SmartThings devices, it does, but SmartThings doesn't support Iris devices. And if you know much about dealing with Iris, Iris has always been strong in one particular place where SmartThings is weak, and that is Iris can literally monitor your house. It has keypads where you can type keypad and turn on your alarm. 
it has a lot more home security components than SmartThings does. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you start going, wow, okay, if that's what's driving you uh, for home automation, which it is for me because I'm out of town a lot, then even with the challenges around V2, I would say that V2 is now at a point that if you're making a decision uh, between like a smart thing, will I go smart things, will I go iris, it starts to get to where there's not a lot of difference between the two. It still seems like smart things tends to get devices a little sooner uh, than uh, say iris, but it doesn't seem like that's a big lagging thing. It's like the difference between when iPhone gets something, uh, an app versus Android. And and in case you, in other listeners may not know, Iris is owned by Lowe's department stores. Yeah, and I was going to say, is that a benefit to have this big conglomerate that is Lowe's here in the United States? They're a big box department store, a big box um, home improvement store. Does that help them, do you think, having that cash yeah. behind it? I think it does. Number one, you can walk down to a brick-and-mortar store and pick up a device. That is handy. Right? And, yeah. and that is really, really handy. The device itself, like, the, like uh, a, door, a door sensor, if you, the V1 door sensors, by the way, are still, I think they're still available to buy. Last time I checked, they were $15 a door, and they work with V2. And if you start looking at the different sensors, their base sensors, they're a lot cheaper because they sell them at brick and mortar. It's not just someone who's falling upon it. It's people that they put it in an end cap. If you go into a Lowe's department store, you will see a section that, that has that. And then the other thing they're starting to do is suppliers into the brick and mortar store for home improvement, they're saying you need to make this work with our iris system to put it on the shelf. And so water heater sold it at Lowe's support iris. Uh, and as you start looking at, oh, I want a light switch, I want a dimmer switch that works with it, well, more than likely it's going to work with iris if it's sold at a Lowe's. And so when you start looking at home improvement, their ability to drive the market and their supply chain um, and not just development, I, I really think their development side is the weaker side of them. Their ability to get, to have pressure to get support of devices is much higher than say Samsung because who cares you know Samsung is kind of weird in that and the other weird thing about it is that Iris is a lot less expensive to implement because they are based upon a subscription so when they went from V1 to V2 they gave all V1 owners a V2 hub for free and they did that because they sell subscriptions that go along with their unit so they have a, a, a purchase model that they don't make all their money on the hardware, where Samsung, they're going to go, okay, well, we're going to put a V3 hub out, and you got to get the V3 hub to get the new devices, where um, Iris isn't really playing the game that way. They're playing the game, we want to make the money off the subscription so we can sell the devices for low margins, and then basically it's a benefit for them to be able to get the subscription. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that I put in our, our show notes is that they just announced just recently um, that they're going to do professional monitoring service. So unlike SmartThings, you can pay $19.99 a month starting in Q2 of 2016. Uh, there's going to be a new service called that for $19.99 a month is fully monitored just like an ADT type of system. 
It comes with their premium service, which is normally $9.99, and it also includes the ability to go and use a, uh, a uh, cellular connection, which is normally $4.99 a month. So that right there would cost you roughly $15 a month. So for five bucks more per month, you get full monitoring, just as if it were like an ADT system. And even if your Wi-Fi goes down, you got to sell your backup. Now, they say an additional purchase of the cellular modem uh, is something you have to purchase, but you're talking a one-time purchase just to buy the little, it's like a USB stick that plugs into the hub. Um, but the service for it comes with this for the, that normally is $4.99 a month. So, so when you look at that, you start going, well, wait a minute, that's a really competitive thing, and that's where they're going to make their money. So that's why Iris will cost you less to implement, but monthly you'll pay a fee. You can do it without the, there is a, you can just buy the hub and, yeah. and do some uh, some things. And you can go to irisbylows.com and look at the at what the different service offerings are. But again, I, I would definitely say V2 has, and, and I would tell you it's been in the last 30 to 60 days that I felt like I could actually say again that Iris is worth buying. Hmm. Um, wow. It, so has that been because of, of uh, updates? That yeah. So, is that pretty much? Yeah. Matter of fact, there's a, I, I put a link to the Iris blog um, in the show notes. It, it's basically irisbylows.com slash blog. And you can go there and you can see what they're doing. They, they literally have all the release notes of everything they're releasing. And timing kind of worked out for us because... Um, they also have a thing, there's a platform updates and stuff like that that you can look at that I put a link to as well. But timing worked out for us because they just announced, they haven't released it yet, um, but the June 2016 release, they just said what will be in their version 1.10. And really, if you think about it, 1.1 was their first release. And so they're up to like 10 releases now in the V2 system. But to give you an idea, let's just go back to April. Okay, what did they announce in April that that will be kind of the new features to the system? And keep in mind that some of this stuff was parody stuff, but they made it where you can schedule things based upon sunrise and sunset of your location. So you can now schedule and say when the sun goes down or when the sun comes up um, based upon your location of the hub. And then you've got they added rotate a camera 180 degrees. So if you hang a camera upside down, you can actually flip it over. So you don't have to worry about that. They added um, support for some blinds and, and a controller, an iris water leak sensor, which they was a new piece of hardware they released. They added support for the iPhone SE. They added the Yell Zigbee locks. Uh, and they added, it, I, not going to be able to say this, it's some OS RAM something, it's basically, uh, looks like light bulbs that are from a company, OSRAM, Lightify. Uh, I don't know what those are, but they they added all that, and then they did like a 191 release in, uh, in May, which was bug fixes, and they seem to be doing this, where they'll release, a, do a feature release, and then they'll do a bug release the next month. But in June is feature release time, and in June, they've got some interesting new things, and some of them are really important. So now they're doing something where you can you can manage multiple places on one account. So you can have multiple hubs. So this is important to me. This is something I've been waiting on, Jim, because 
I have two houses. And I literally told my wife, I've got this new hub. They gave me a new hub for my old house, but I don't know how I'm going to get that and manage it because the app wouldn't support but one location and I can't have multiple instances of the app. So what am I going to do? Because I'm on the V1 system at the house, at my other house, and that, that was an old app and a new app. And so that's the way I was pulling this off. So in case I didn't call it out, June 30th, they're retiring V1. They're shutting it off to pe for people. So you are forced as of June 30th, if you want to run Iris, you've got to move to this new one. And everyone's saying that it's because they because they bought this thing and their licensing's over or something like this. I, I don't know if that's true or not. All I know is that on June 30th, if I don't have a solution, the house that I'm trying to sell, which by the way, 60% of the time people leave the doors unlocked when they mm -hmm. go show the house and I'm mm -hmm. able to lock the doors remotely and I can see the movement and how long did they actually spend in my house. That's worth its weight in gold when you're selling a house. So that means I can move that house to V2. Uh, effective the 1.10 release, so that's pretty you important. Go out and buy a new. Do you have to buy? Do you have to buy new equipment to install to go to V2? Then a nope. new hub, or you just get this new hub and they send it in a box just like this. And so when you were a V1 owner, they they gave you all this, and it's like ooh, Iris can and welcome to greatness and and everything, and and you're like it says introduction, in introducing 2.0, yeah. And now everybody went, oh, no. Uh, when they, <laughs> they, they said, yeah, and everybody went, no. <laughs> yeah, and this is the hub. This is the actual hub. And, they, and this is the hub that they sent me to replace the one at my other house. And so I didn't pay for this. They, Lowe's said, hey, I'm going to send this to you. And they also um, just released a migrator. So if you are running your old system, you, you can actually run this migration utility and it'll move over all your devices and move over um, your rules and things that make sense. Um, so, so from that perspective, like I said, I mean, there's, there's evidence right there that they, they, they value the customer. Their support sometimes can be a little they beat down because they've had to answer so many bad calls over the past mm -hmm. few months. Oh, I bet they have. Yeah. Don't you know? Hey, I moved to your V2 and it was supposed to be great, but yet it doesn't have. It's not to parity. But if, if let me just say, if you want to jump in, so you're thinking about going on Iris now, and you're here, maybe here in the United States, access to Lowe's, you can get it online. But those the hubs by themselves about sixty bucks, and then the automation packs start one thirty for the for an automation pack. It comes with some various options in it. They have a security pack that uh, runs you a hundred bucks, and then. Just a whole bunch of different products. What are you, Dwayne, in, in both homes? What what are primarily what are you using in both the security and the lighting, or what are the pieces that you're using there? Yeah, I'm using a lot of pieces on on them. So to give you an idea, at the V1, I was so far in, I had the power monitor, so I could literally monitor the power on the on the house, and and I was doing that because I was thinking about going solar, and I needed to figure out. And it'll give you a CSV file that, that reports out. Now, they have since um, announced that that will not be coming to V2 um, at all. So the, app, the device itself is supported. Um, it's a blue line power monitor. It, it's supported, and I have another service, the service that it comes with. It's just not integrated into the Iris interface. Uh, and they don't look, it looks like they're going to go with a new device to replace that. Um, 
again, these are these are examples of kind of the negative things that have happened. Um, and then the other thing they have is this IV, which was this voice thing that they're dropping support for. But, but besides that, they're supporting everything. Um, so what I have is I have motion sensors, I have door sensors, I am very big on the Schlage lock uh, touchscreen deadbolt. Uh, if you don't, it, it is by far, in my opinion, the best product that you can get in an home automation system. Um, can't tell you how many times I've been able to lock, lock my door. doors because Lovely. we were in a hurry to go somewhere. Um, so that's that's kind of an awesome uh, thing to have. Not to mention when it's in Iris, the cool thing is they actually let you add people and you can have different pin codes with different times. Mm -hmm. And so you can say, oh, I'm going to give my kids a pin code that let them unlock the door. So you don't worry about all this pendant crap that works very hokey, which I have pendants. I have both the old pendant and the new pendant. Um, it takes too long for negotiation of that thing to really unlock your door. You don't really want that. So I have that. I have the care pendant um, because they, they gave me one to test with. Um, the other thing, like I said, all of these would be in both houses. I have a camera at the old house that was an Iris outdoor camera. I do not recommend that device. and We can talk about what I would recommend in replacement of that. Um, but uh, let's see, what else do I have with it? Uh, I did get this garage door controller that they offer. Um, unfortunately, that is not compatible with a LiftMaster MyQ mm. uh, garage door. It doesn't, I think my biggest complaint on that one is that they don't really say what, the, what garage doors they support and what they don't. That thing's a $100 device and it takes a, it is a major ordeal to install. And by the time you get it done, it's not worth $100 to pull it back down and try to return it because <laughs> you destroy the packaging trying to do it. Um, so it's one of those things that I would tell you, be cautious about the garage door opener. Make sure that you maybe call support and tell them what model you have and see if you can get them to tell you that you they support it before you make that purchase. Um, or be prepared to try not to destroy the packaging as you put it together because it has this little module that's on the door that uh, tells the door whether it is in it's like a tilt sensor and if you stick that thing on the door with the adhesive they give you um, good luck pulling that back off without destroying the door so it's one of those things like I said I would make sure that if you're gonna get this thing that you make sure that that it's supported uh, but I also have the siren uh, for it um, and then Lord knows, I've, I've got way too many devices. It'd be hard to go through them all. But I will tell you that my device list takes several scrolls to get through it all. Yeah. Um, and then that's on both houses. So it's so it's been a it's been an experience. Um, the reason I would tell you not to do the camera is because the camera only works with Lowe's Iris. Mm. You can't connect to it in any other way. You can't do anything else with it. And so I, I've spoken to them about that, and I've asked for them to support web-based cameras or to support other camera-based systems like an Arlo system or something like that uh, instead of trying to make those cameras because they just aren't up to par um, with what you want. And they're very expensive. So, uh, so again, I, I would hold on cameras for them. 
150, 130 to $150 a camera. What's it look, yeah. looking like on here? They don't look great either. It's kind of one. Yeah, of the... the one that's outdoor is massive, and it's and it's a pain to set it up and everything. There are a lot better camera options in this world at this point. Um, th those things are pretty old. They came out with a V1 system. We haven't seen V2 cameras yet. I'm really looking forward to V2 cameras. Did but... you uh, integrate first alert smoke detectors, CO2, any of those? Haven't done yeah. those yet here. Um, I definitely have the thermostats and under control. I got the the ones that I had. The one I have at the old house is their uh, Iris version, um, which I think is a just a remake of a of a Honeywell or something. Mm -hmm. Looks like and it. And then the ones that I decided to go with in this new house because they're much cheaper. They're like seventy nine bucks, and it's the Go Control. Um, and I debated on it because I think it was like $99 for the yep. Iris branded one and it was 79 bucks for the Go Control. Yep. And what I will tell you is there's absolutely zero difference between the two um, when you go to install them except the Go Control doesn't look kind of gaudy on your wall. It's smaller, it's just white and solid. Yeah, it's um, kind of it's sleek. I mean, it's four buttons and uh, a pad. I mean, yeah, and it's, I it's kind of old. You the funny thing is, it's climate control really started pissing me off because I decided in this house I was going to really go after the climate control because this is a two-story house where I had a ranch before, and I wanted to really control the temperature from the upstairs and the downstairs independently and in an efficient manner. And the thing that annoyed me is all this. You look at Nest. Nest is just stupid expensive, and no, Nest doesn't work with Iris. Um, but the problem is, is that Nest is kind of like its own little independent thing, and when you take the the thermostat off your wall, be prepared to repaint your wall and putty it up because that thing's a little circle, where these just naturally replace it. And then you start asking yourself, well, what is the real value of the Nest? It's a learning thermostat. Well, if done correctly inside of Iris, you can basically get the same thing. So I don't know that it's worth the money difference between the two. I debated it for a long time, but you're talking, I paid $79 for two units. How much is a new nest? It's like three or $400 per one. I don't see it recouping your money, especially when you, if you do some of the stuff I've done, which actually I think is superior to nest when it comes to temperature control in your house. So, um, and we can get into that a, a little bit. Um, so to, to kind of finish up what's coming in the, in the June timeframe, they also added where you can add a person that has full access to your system. You can also uh, make it where they only have access to locks, alarms, and notifications, or you can add someone who just gets notifications. And this was something that they did in V1 that they didn't do in V2, so that's another parody thing. And then the last thing they did is they, which I think, Jim, you might like, I, I know I'm going to like, because how many phones did we show? I mean, it was <laughs> like seven. Okay. <laughs> so and every one of them's got, you know, the Iris system app on it. And basically now they have notification only, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, enhanced push notification management. So you can say only push notifications to these devices out of my device list. You don't have to say push it to all, which is really nice. Um, and I think you can do that centrally is what they're saying they're going to be able to do. So that's a really... It's kind of a nice feature to have, and if you start looking at it, you go, okay, they're starting to get into the features that are starting to come that are, okay, that's kind of cool, um, like the sunset stuff, right? So I think they're starting to get their stride 
and get over. I haven't had buggy issues since about 1.7, 1.8. So you can go back and look at that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of over the buggy stuff. Like when they have this thing where you can take pictures of everything. It looks, and as a matter of fact, if I show you the interface, you'll go, oh my God, that looks just like, um, it looks just like smart things in a sense. Um, and because that's what everyone says. Oh, it looks just like smart things. So here. Tilt that a little bit. There you go. So, so that is uh, the interface for it. And it, one thing that they have done is they removed, they used to be a web interface and had a really crappy iPhone inter, uh, application. Now they've moved to Android and iPhone only applications. They have sworn up and down to the community that they are going to bring us a web interface back. But uh, that I have not heard a time frame on. So... So if you're you're the average guy right now thinking about home automation, there's a lot of folks that haven't jumped on the bandwagon. I'm one of them. I'm not so sure I want to infrastructure out this house because we may not be here uh, forever. But if there's one of the speaking of forever, so, uh, <laughs> she's my forever. Um, if if is Iris a good a good jumping on point because they do. I mean they support a ton of different devices. Three different lock sets that you mentioned, you know, by itself. Genie garage door openers are supported. You know, you said yours wasn't, but but Genie garage door openers are. Tons of yep. motion sensors, moisture sensors, um, in, in, you know, all kinds of different, I mean, there's a, a, a bunch of different light configurations, both switches and yep. dongles and those kinds of things. I mean, yeah. I, guess, Dwayne, I didn't realize just how, how much stuff there is. I mean, I know you guys have been yeah. talking about it a while, but there's a ton of stuff on the Iris system. Yeah, matter of fact, uh, and you can do that. Like, I have a light, uh, light control thing that came with mine that I've got numerous of these throughout the house, so you can make it where when a door opens, a light comes on, all that type of stuff, right? So all that automation stuff that you can do, they pretty much can do. Um, oh, and I even have the outdoor light controller, uh, as well, so I could turn on and off my Christmas lights. Now the beauty is, back when back in Christmas time, they didn't have sunset and sunrise. They didn't have that. Not only that, they didn't even have the ability to schedule it to come on and off at a certain time. So that's how bad it was back in December. No, no now, if this, no if this, then that integration with Iris, then not yet. But I'm hearing that that might be coming. So I, I would. Hang tight on that. I think they have been so heads down to get feature parity because they knew this June date was coming that I think they've got themselves to feature parity pretty well at this point. Um, there's some people who will say, yeah, there's this one little thing that it used to do that it doesn't do or like the blue line energy sensor. Um, but in the reality is if you're saying, okay, I'm a brand new person with a brand new system and I want to come in and I have no expectation set of an old system or anything like that, right? I'm just going to come into it. I, I would say it's not a bad thing to choose because you do definitely, like you said, there's tons of devices. You're going to be really difficult. If there's something you want to do, you can pretty much make it happen um, with the system you know, you may run into, okay, I need a schedule, some crazy schedule type of thing or some sort of trigger that I that may not be there, but what you're going to find is that they're incented to make the service better because if they continue to make the service better, what you'll find is the premium thing that you buy, that $9.99 a month, is the thing that gets you access to the rule sets and the engines. And so they're incented to make that better, to get subscriptions. Um, so, so just keep in mind, I think, I think that's where I would go with, with that particular conversation. 
but I also think, Jim, you've got to kind of come back for a second because I had this kind of come to Jesus meeting with myself. <laughs> and this was after a, a blistering conversation with Dave McCabe. He and I, he, I'm on the ledge. I'm, I'm like, I am leaving this thing. I'm throwing all this home automation stuff in the trash and I'm going to start all over with smart things I'm, and, or whatever. And he's like, well, hold on a minute. And so during that time, I kind of said, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? It can get better. So I, I decided to rough it out and see, see how it went. Um, and it didn't hurt that, you know, I had these free hubs and all these little devices from being a beta tester. So, so that made it where it was difficult for me to make a decision for a move. So, but I, I had a lot of wants, uh, especially in my new house, a lot of wants. I was, I, I'm, if you haven't noticed, Jim, I'm a little want heavy. <laughs> You're a little high maintenance, Dwayne. Let me let's just put it that way. I'm hey, a high Dwayne, before you dive into that, I know we got to cut Mike Weger loose because he's got a, he's got a wedding this weekend, and not his, of course, but somebody else's. And he's got guys there. Mike, uh, we'll let Dwayne take a break uh, here for just a second, and uh, we'll say uh, thanks for coming out and hanging out and fun with the boys. Be safe. No trampolines or anything. No, like that, no trampolines. Right? We're gonna we're just golfing and then to the wedding and we're gonna try and just knock these things out without breaking the Dude, ankle. Stay again, in the so. car. Okay. But he's yeah, the doctor. No the guy getting married was the doctor who benefited from this whole process. <laughs> so he'll be there if anything does happen to uh Occur again. Uh, that's nice. what you need right there. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta have a best friend that's a doctor who gets you into trouble by breaking your bones. So you got a doctor uh, and you're okay. the lawyer and now you just need a And their other buddy who just flew in is a is a cop. So we got the whole gamut covered. You're so, all set. Yeah. You're yeah. all set. All right, Mike. Thanks for jumping in, man. We'll see you Thank next you. week. We'll see you guys next week. You bet. How are we going? So Dwayne, in the next fifteen minutes or so, let's point forward for you a little bit as you you're talking about the once. You know, you're a little needy when it comes to home automation. You you admitted that. Your word's not mine. But what what are you looking forward to? So I think the main thing is I kind of came back to this realization that why do I need everything inside of a single system? There are some things that independently just don't work together and all it's going to do is clutter up an app interface and you start getting into how complicated is my smart things interface and where, you know, it, it can get really kind of wonky if you think about it because you're going how, you know, oh, okay, I got to go and scroll here, find this subsection to go find to turn on the light to give you an example. Yeah. And the question becomes in the home automation space is what do you need automated and what do you want these things to do? And so, the camera thing. We talked about that, right? We, we talked about uh, temperature controls in some, some cases, right? You start looking at it and you go, do I really need this to be integrated functionality within my home automation system or am I just making wanting it to be there just because I want it to be there, right? And that's where I kind of got. And I, I kind of backed off and said, okay, what is the problem I actually am trying to solve here, right? What do I really care about that makes my life better versus trying to just make my life a living hell trying to make all this stuff integrate. And then, um, you know, and then I started asking, okay, well, if I do this in an integration state and if I do it non-integrated, what am I going to win and what am I going to lose? And, and so the thing that really made me go there is a thing that was supported by Iris but also had its own independent system. And I literally went round and round. Rob Dentler, Chris Carr, and I have had hours and hours of conversations about 
the Keen Smart Vent. Um, saw it on Shark Tank, was like, wow, that's a good idea. Lowe's actually sells Keen Smart Vents in stock in stores. You can go buy one. And so in my new house, my office is always hotter than everything else because one, I've got three big windows and the sun sets on that side. And two, we've already covered how much tech is in my room. <laughs> um, so, so I need some, I needed a way to keep this room from getting too hot while not jacking up and costing me an arm and a leg to cool the entire uh, bottom floor of the house during the day. And during the, and it, this was actually kind of the reverse. It was actually cold in the rest of the house during winter, and I was trying to figure out how to manage this. So I, I decided to go with this Keen vent, and I, I put some links. I'm not going to go through all these links. It's like keenhome.io if you want to go look at it. Um, I even put a link to their Shark Tank audition video and everything. Um, and so I went, and it, this thing works with natively with smart things. And it works natively with um, uh, Iris. And I first cooked, hooked it up, and I made it all work with Iris. And I could go into Iris, and I could say, oh, yep, open event, close event. I can control it to every percent from 0 to 100% open. And But I started reading, like, what all were they doing, and where were they doing innovation? And where they were doing innovation is they started, they sold their own smart bridge. It looks like this. And... What the smart bridge does is it allows their application and their software to run to work with their vent. And that, where Iris, it was like, oh, okay, I want that vent to open when yada, yada, yada happens. Okay, I want the vent to open when I enter the room. Well, no, <laughs> I don't want it to be hot. And then when I walk into the room, the vent opens, and that doesn't really make a lot of sense. What I want is even temperature, or I want one room a little colder than another room, or a little warmer. And so the Keen uh, Smart Bridge, which isn't real expensive, I decided I'm going to buy this thing and I'm going to go for it. And all I got to do is the, if I want the thermostat to keep going, the room that is in that has the thermostat in it, which in their app it actually asks you, it's like give me the rooms, where, how many vents do you have in that room, how many of them are Keen vents, okay, which vents are it. And then you can even say the thermostat is in this room. And so what they do is they're smart. They, they have this thing in the app where you can say automatically make this room two degrees colder and make these rooms one degree hotter. And then you can even go into um, yourself and you can say, okay, well, I can go in and adjust it and make the thermostat room hotter so that the, the, the system runs longer because that's the last room to cool off. And that, if you looked at something like Ecobee, Ecobee has all these sensors all over your house, which basically doesn't save you money. It makes it cost more because what's going to happen is the most extreme room is going to control the thermostat, where this is kind of the opposite. It basically keeps the temperature even throughout the house. So I really honestly don't play with my thermostat, so I have schedules, but think of it that it keeps it even on the bottom floor. And so I would say it's a it's a pretty good system. They've got a lot of smarts like back pressure. If there's too much back pressure, which is going to cause a problem on your on your uh, AC air handler, mm -hmm. it will actually open the vents to be able to allow the back pressure. So you can't just shut them all and break your air conditioning system, which is something that I don't know that other smart vents do. So, <laughs> are there but, other smart vents? This is really the first one I've seen. 
Yeah, there's some others, but this is the one that seems to have the most money behind it. Um, and do they have sensors? So, do they have? Is the is the vent itself a sensor? So does it know yes. what the temperature is in the room? So that's how it gets. That's how it knows what temperature each room is. Yeah, and it has batteries, and the batteries last about a year uh, okay. in the vent. And you can see they have like lights on them, so you can see whenever they're being controlled, and you can see them dynamically moving. So it's it's actually kind of an interesting thing, but there is a tidbit about this, and there's a warning buyer, and that is if your vents are on the ceiling. There was a design flaw from when they first released this, and the way that it attaches, it actually attaches to the rim. The rim that connects to the ceiling has just, it's like a normal uh, vent, you have two screws on the side. Well, that metal rim is connected to the whole unit with the glue. And so what was happening is people were putting them in their ceiling and they were falling. The glue would give and they would just fall out. And these things are not light. I mean, they are heavy. So what ended up happening is there is a kit. And I put a link. If you need, if you buy one of these things, you're going to mount it on the ceiling. But I think the new ones, the kits are inside of them. But if you get one that doesn't have a kit, you can go here. They will ship you the kit for free. And all it is is that it extends underneath where you put the screws in, it just extends it out to be able to capture and hold in the actual inner, inner unit so it can't fall. Uh, this is only a problem if you, if you mount it on a wall or you mount it on the floor. These are not problems. But if you do it in the ceiling, which, of course, my house is that, because anytime there can be a problem, I have it. <laughs> um, and that, that pretty much took care of it. So, so smart vents, good thing. I think uh, they have returned pretty well. Um, but uh, it's, it's definitely worth the money. Yeah. Uh, they are about 80 bucks a piece. Mm -hmm. Smart Bridge, I think, is about $35. Um, and the Smart Bridge is what connects to the, the units. I think they're all either Zigbee or Z-Wave or something like that. Uh, connection, if you have multiple floors, you can buy multiple Smart Bridges, and then they can bridge together to to be repeaters. So they, bridge to the, they go to the bridge. The bridge goes to Iris. Yeah. The Irish. No, well, no, to the app. To, to their the app. own app. And okay. so I elected to remove them from Iris and gotcha. manage them with their app because the integration of a, of a closed system like that, I got more value out of than I would have. If you put them into smart things or you put them into Iris, you're not going to have a great experience because you have to go, at this time, I want the vent to be at this percentage open. So it's, it's kind of difficult because you're having to manually control the vents. I like it where it just does it itself. Mm -hmm. It makes my life nice. And how many times do I go in and actually need to open that app and yeah. set how much what how much cooler I want one room than the other? Right. I don't. But to your point, that's when we think about, you know, sure, you could integrate that into the IRIS system, but the value of it being outside of it in its own setup is more valuable to you to having it using its own controls yep. as opposed to trying to pull that into IRIS. Other Jim was asking in chat, are the lights in the vent visible in a dark room? Like, some people like rooms completely dark. I'm not, I'm so they, they only click on whenever you are, whenever they're doing something. So when they get the command to close or whatever, there's a visual indicator that blinks like a purple color that just lets you know that it adjusted. But that's the only time the lights are on. Any options to just keep those off? Um, I'd have to look and see. I haven't played with it to see if I can do that. Um, but I tell you what, I will look into that and we'll do a follow-up on that on one of the future shows. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, that certainly would be a feature if it does have lighting. A lot of times it's like, hey, 
never, or you could integrate it with the dawn to dusk, which is, yeah, you know, hey, and during it, the dawn or the during the night periods, just don't, or do, I don't know, some some people might want to use it as a nightlight. It, it's, it's literally so quick that it does it. I mean, it's just why the vents go adjust. Uh, there's some videos online you can go look at to see what it looks like, but they're they're underneath the vent covers, and so they're not like beaming at you. You you kind of have to pay attention to see them. I've never noticed them at night. I'll put it that okay. way. Okay. Yeah. So not, most of the time, super bright. Yeah, not to mention most of the time they will only adjust whenever the temperature outside uh, needs it, and so usually that's happening at dusk. So I don't yeah. really think they move much at night. No. So. And other gym says tape would work too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't do that until after you pair them, because then it'd be hard to tell that you're pairing them. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I would say is that whole model that we talked about made me question where else was I trying to put a square bag in a round hole, and I got into the same situation around video. Because if you think about it, a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, I want it because I want a motion trigger." Well, I've got motion sensors. They can trigger. I don't need to make my camera trigger for something. And so the only time I can see that being a problem is if you say, I want like a camera on my front porch to trigger to turn a light on or something. Okay, I get that, right? But I think I can get creative and solve that problem a different way. What I really ran into is I started trying to figure out, okay, why do I want to try to use some subpar video system to be able to do stuff and have to run all these stupid wires everywhere. And a friend of mine caught her son doing something she, he wasn't supposed to be doing while she was at my house uh, coming to visit Nashville. And uh, we won't get into the details of that, but we'll talk about it <laughs> offline. I can Jim. only imagine. Uh, yeah, it was shocking. Uh, and, but I, I was like, what, did you, what, what kind of camera did you have? And she introduced me to Arlo. And so I went out and I started doing some research and come to find out the Arlo system, I know Dave talked about how he didn't like that it was cloud-based. I have to tell you, I think that needs to be something people rethink um, because the way that they work now is, you know, someone steals the camera. I, I've got one on the front porch and the back porch now. It's The ones that I got are called the Arlo Wirefree. 720p, completely wireless, completely waterproof, Indoor, outdoor capable, has night vision, uses a magnetic mount so you can get exactly the angle you want. It has, uh, you get free recording for up to five devices for free, and seven days worth of recording. And I don't really care to do anything. I just want to see if my package was delivered by UPS and if some one of the neighbors came and stole it. And so, or, you know, if somebody was coming up on my door. And you can live feed them. You can do all this, right? The other thing is, is that it came with this thing called an Arlo hub, which means it's on a separate wireless network than my normal wireless, where the other systems that I was looking at didn't do that. It was just a Wi-Fi camera. And so when that thing's recording, it's not eating the bandwidth of my Wi-Fi network. It's got its own private one. And they have they have three different types. They've got the, the outdoor version that's like $160, bucks, and you can get bundles and actually get them cheaper than that. They got a 110 degree of video. They don't have a sound. That's one thing. They can get motion alerts. Um, you, you can't record for 24 hours nonstop, but a mainly because they're running on batteries, and the batteries in it are supposed to last for about a year. And then they also even offer silicone covers to be able to camouflage them 
turn them black, all this stuff. It's really, really crazy. They're, they're really cool little devices if you haven't seen these. But then they offer the other thing, which is like the Arlo Q, which is like an indoor 1080p. It can do motion alerts, sound alerts. It can do audio recording, 130 degrees of view. You can do 24-hour recording, two-way voice control. And then that one's like 220. And then if you go up to the big boy, which is the Arlo Q+, that one, the main thing and the difference there is going to be that it's exactly the same, except that it has local storage capable on an SD card. You can do power over Ethernet with it as well. And all of these can do 20, you know, all of the indoor versions can do the 24-hour recording uh, and get yourself, you know, and, and there's different plans for their cloud service. But I think that looking at it now, I kind of came back to this idea of why did I really want my cameras to integrate? And now I've got a point solution that's very elegant, very cost-effective. I can put these cameras wherever I want to put them, literally wherever I want to put them. And I don't have to worry about it. And if I want to go to an indoor solution that says two-way voice or something like that, I can. And I don't really have to worry about it because it alerts me and tells me if there's movement and everything. If I'm trying to do movement sensors on the front porch or handling that, I'm actually wanting that more on schedule for me personally. And I can do that with a, a light control within Iris. So things like that I found, if you really think about it, you might want to rethink your need for everything to be integrated. Mm. And, and I have a, some others that we'll talk about in a future show um, where I've spent some time and, I, and now I have my little, my little folder on my iPhone that's got like a couple of different apps that are key to my household. But what I find is if you just throw them all in a folder together, if I want to go see video, I just fire up the video app. If I want to be able to control my home, I control my home within Iris. If I, the smart vent piece, okay, I'm, how often do I fire that app up next to never? And then, you know, I start looking at other things that start integrating, and I'm starting to get to the point where there might be a need for me to not bury this in an interface inside of an app. And unless there is some strategic value, shall we say, that is why I need to do this. And I, that's one thing I kind of learned through this whole process is maybe think about your needs and not necessarily your wants. Yeah, well, and, and I, you, you also mentioned the frequency at which you use it. And so, you know, if you are put, have a thermostat app that's doing what you need it to do, and how often are you really in there changing it? And for some people, maybe they're doing a lot, and maybe the, the Nest is... The learning stuff works, but if you've your home, if you don't need that, it's a good chance you could get away with something else. And in this case, you've really separated all three. So you've got a separate camera, you've got a separate kind of the the you know the home automation piece and security. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and those each have those. They have integration when you need them, but in most yeah. cases, they're okay on their own. But weirdly, if I want to control the temperature in the house, I just go to the home automation and adjust the temperature. I don't have to go to Keen. Because the vents will just do what they're supposed to do now. Right. Yeah. So they'll, they'll automatically respond. And think about that. If I have five vents in my bottom floor, and then I go and retrofit the upstairs as well, and I still have a few vents that I could put in on the bottom floor, how many devices have I added into Iris, and what does that interface look like? Start thinking like that, and you go, well, wait a minute. It's not as functional, so why in the world would I put it in there? So it's just one of those things to think about. Yeah. As you yeah. 
No, it's good. I think it's a good discussion. I, I this is really we've talked about the gadgets. I'm a Philips Hue guy. I've put the field Philips Hue lights. That's about the only thing I've got going uh, at this point. So we talk about them, but you 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 really bring a very interesting point is is the de is the deployment or the use case of them and how are we actually sometimes we let the gadget run it instead of the function of the gadget run yep. it right it should serve us not us serve them um, yeah yeah and then over time you know if if iris ends up taking on the functionality that makes it where i can take away the other hub then great it, you know, same thing with cameras. Maybe Arlo gets integrated into that over time because Arlo is getting a lot of market share. There's a lot of value to Iris being a subscription service to add those capabilities. So there's there's a possibility that you will see this integration take place over time. But I think where we are in the market and the maturity of this market is that we've got a lot of really great point systems. Some of them integrate, but even the integrations are poor. And so you really need to think that just because you can make a device show up in a different interface, what did I lose by that getting that? And did I lose functionality because I'm not using their native components? What we really want to see is that those services integrate together, not the device comes into a single um, single app. So to yeah, speak. single app. Single well, app it, single even app. if it came single into the app, function. I would. I, yeah, I just yeah. what I'm looking for is take advantage of the service and it's almost like you know if you're thinking about apps there should be API integration not devices having to register into and having all these supported in this one thing yeah. and I think we'll get there no that makes sense the one it came up a couple things came up in chat echo of course Amazon's integration not all of these things are able to be controlled uh, by the Amazon Echo, or, or and obviously you controlled my Echo in the pre-show, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but any, any, are, are they are they talking about any integration in with the with the Echo? Yeah. So, so the interesting thing is Echo is kind of an open platform, in a sense, right? They have extensions and extensibility. So any, we'll just say that any reasonable provider of a service that wants you to buy their product is looking at that right now. It's more control, I think you're going to see more of it, the control of releasing it and the companies trying to figure out what that means. Do I build my own Echo or do I leverage Amazon's? And is Amazon going to do to me what they did to the next guy who wanted to sell Apple TVs on Amazon, right? And so Amazon's kind of come off a little weird in this whole thing of, Everyone want, wants to go support the Echo, but then they're also worried that Echo is going to go build something to replace them. So if everyone starts using the Echo interface. So, so I would say that let this pan out. I think Echo is cool. I've got one, um, but and I keep talk, saying its name. Um, <laughs> do you call it Alexa or do you call it Echo? I say Alexa Okay. because yeah. I think it's... Awesome well, that she has. A Alexa is upstairs for us. Echo is downstairs here. So that's the that's we that's how we keep them separate. Yeah. So, but if you think about it though, in your world, Jim, you think about that. It makes sense that it's there, but I don't think that part's mature yet. Mm -hmm. I think we will see something happen there. Matter of fact, if you remember, I said they were uh, Iris retired the Ivy. Well, mm -hmm. the Ivy was basically their voice control component and their V1. And I think they're looking at where is that piece going to go. 
I, I don't think you're wrong to buy an Echo, um, but I do think what you need to think about is trying to force integration where there isn't. The integration might be there, but it might be fairly poor right now, even if it is there. Um, and, and am I going to make a buying decision based around an integration that's in a very immature area? I think my problem was I did that with the camera system and Iris V1, and I learned very quickly that Iris is much more control. It's home security, home automation, right? Video surveillance is much better in point systems that are made for video surveillance, and the app and the interface is so much better uh, on that that you really need to think about, do I want these things married together or do I just want that eventually that the motion sensor in the camera and that service can trigger like an if-then-is-that type of component? And maybe that's where if-then, if-then, then... If-this, if then, <laughs> if then, then that. <laughs> I'm literally losing my brain. You're good, man. Uh, You've been going a while. You're good. The question is, is that going to be the future of being able to integrate the services? Yeah. And, it, and I think it is. I think that might be where we see a lot of forward progress here because I just don't like all this stuff being in the same interface. I, I think if you experience it the way that I have in both ways, you just find that it's a subpar experience. Yeah. You know, Dwayne, that, that might be the most reasonable home automation conversation that I've had in the last two years when we think about I mean, it's a smart one. It's not just hey, I say, hey, Echo, turn on my lights, and they turn them on. Or, or you know, which is better, Philips or smart things? But this really digging into, like, what does it best and which system does it best, and it's still, it's kind of back to that right tool for the right job, right? And we're still early enough in home automation that there are some groups doing it better, and just because you should integrate them or you could doesn't mean you should, right, from that standpoint. Right. So right. I think it's a very reasonable exactly. conversation. I think it's a, a good one. You generated, you might have sold a few things tonight, by the way, out in the chat room. Mike <laughs> Howard said uh, he would buy those Keen, the, the Keen Smart Bridge tonight, but they're out of stock on the website. Yeah, and I tell you what, whatever you do, if you try to buy a Circle or get Circle Go, which is another thing that we can yeah, talk we can about. Talk that about it. Yeah. It, poor, if you're into that, man, you, you're you going to hate life because Ellen put it on their show, her show, and it's like, Crushed teeth to try to get one. Just crushed. That's good though. I mean, we're starting to see some real traction in this area, and and it's getting good. Tony also said, uh, Tony Rayner said that if you troll sales at Lowe's and eBay, you can get some of the Iris stuff for pretty cheap. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And I would tell you the one thing that you you should look for: see if you can get V1 door sensors. There's literally no. <laughs> I like the V1 sensor better than the V2, and those things are like 15 bucks. And I started stocking up on them because I wanted to have a spare just in case. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. And they don't, I mean, they're not big. They just look like this. So, I mean, it's it's a good little door sensor. But, but cool. uh, good. Jim, I have fulfilled my duties of filling you up your podcast. You and we have lots more to talk I about know. in future I podcasts. We will, we'll schedule again. I, I'm going to get you on every couple of weeks, I think, because... As your schedule permits, we'll just have you on and go through. You got a ton of stuff to cover, and uh, it fits perfectly with what we're doing here. So, Dwayne, uh, welcome. Th this is the first time I've we've had you on Home Server Show, but the first time on Home Gadget Geeks, right? Yeah. So I I've been so. on Home Server Show a few times. I've been on 
uh, Smart Home HQ, I think. Yeah. Is that the other one? That's, no, uh, Surface Geek. Well, were you on Surface Geeks? No, no, no. The uh, the other one. The, the other home guys. Auto. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on his show uh, about Iris, and if you go back, you can see the difference between my opinion of Iris back then and my opinion <laughs> of Iris now. Um, and so I I think you know now I'm kind of rounding out my. Uh, I can't go on Surface Geeks as easy because I'm a Microsoft person, right. and I, I always hate to try to be on a Microsoft podcast. Right. No, it's it's a tough one. We spent the first part of the show doing that. Hang tight. Uh, we will do a little bit of post-show with you, and so we might actually go over to Blab for the post-show. It's kind of fun to take uh, things off of Google Hangouts and uh, migrate it. Have you ever been, been on Blab? Blab? Well, we'll show you how Blab works tonight, So that's uh, so hang tight. It's kind of the wild, wild west out there, Blab. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll give that a shot. If he's going to post show, hang tight. Let me let me wrap things up here. Uh, we'll remind everyone if they have any questions for us. Actually, uh, Dwayne has some very detailed show notes on this, so we'll copy and paste those in, and uh, you can go to the links and get this. Certainly for me, I was just at Lowe's the other day. I had to pick up a new lawnmower. I ended up going to Home Depot for the lawnmower, and uh, not not Lowe's. But when I was at Lowe's, I made sure I stopped by the Iris. Area and they don't have an iris control lawnmower. They do not. But, Dwayne, we talked about this last week. They have some really cool robot mowers out right now that are crazy good. And, you know, the verdict's out on how good they really are, but we I saw some videos and did some stuff. The price point, if you think home automation is ridiculous, the price point to get on, on a robot lawnmower, it's, 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 a, <laughs> it's a grand easy... And that's I, not I just the very want, good ones. I actually my my big thing, and maybe I'll get this before the shows before we finish all the other content is the iris controlled irrigation controller. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. That'd be good, you know. And I've lived in Nebraska here. You know, we've been here 25 years now, and I have zero irrigation, and I don't ever plan to put it in. It's a I live in a state where, uh, and I have a lawn that I can keep alive. Uh, we get enough moisture. I keep it alive, and I do not have to worry about that now. I know that's not for everybody, and at one point I thought about putting irrigation in, but over the last 15 years, even in drought, times of drought, I watered enough that it, uh, it just doesn't go dormant, and I just have not needed irrigation. But I know in some, some spaces it's, it's uh, very important. Yeah, in my house, it, it, this new house is weird because my power bill is less than my irrigation bill <laughs> right now. Yeah. That's, so now I'm like, okay, I don't care about abuse of power. Now I'm all about hey, I'm going to get control water control now. Yeah. Well, V V1, uh, V1. I was reading the notes. Water <laughs> is getting more expensive than a lot of things these days. So it, it is kind of nuts as well. Well, uh, remind everyone if you have questions, comments, check out the show notes. Uh, send me an email jim at theaverageguy.tv. Also track me down on Twitter at jcollison. Many of you contacted me during the week or Tracking me down on Twitter. I'm doing a lot of tweeting on my Gallup account, too. So Jim at Gallup, the A-T-J-I-M-A-T at Gallup. If you're interested in what I do at work, uh, tweeting over there uh, a bunch. And so that's a fun uh, fun to have both accounts uh, here and what I do at work. Of course, the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web hosting and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting. Start Plans start at 10 bucks. Super cheap, guys, if you want to get out there and get some pretty good. And, of course, it's... That's Christian. You know him. He, he does that for us. Uh, visit, if you're looking for information on that, visit maplegrovepartners.com. I mentioned at the beginning of the show about the mobile app. Track that thing down. Just go to homegadgetgeeks.com. We'll thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that. 
And LastPass kind of saved my bacon this week as I was quickly able to go in and change a whole bunch of passwords uh, because I, Dwayne, in the last show, I got, I got, I got, I got hacked a little bit. So I had to. Oh. Yeah, it was Amazon and Amazon. Please, LastPass, yeah. come to Edge. <laughs> yeah, no, quickly, right? And so we talked about that in the last show and uh, heard from some of you guys on that as well. It was nice to go in and be actually kind of know where all my passwords are. That was the most important thing, and then. Kind of knowing all the passwords, I had used a, a weird master password, and that was the one that got you know that got hacked. And I had used it in a bunch of different sites because it's kind of that one my go-to. I just kind of go to it; it'll be fine. Well, I didn't want it out there anymore, and I needed to know where it was. And of course, I could discover that on LastPass, figure out okay, it told me okay, all your sites have this password, and then I could quickly go in and change them. So. Got my percentage above 80% in there. That's kind of my range. It's too hard to get a full 100% on LastPass of security check, but we got it up there. We want to thank you guys for using the Amazon affiliate link, and, of course, that's the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund. Uh, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon, and when you do that, it supports what we do here, both uh, keeping the lights on and those kinds of things, literally keeping the lights on, as well as uh, if you guys want to review something, let me know. I'll buy it for you. And on this conversation, man, this should have spurred a whole bunch of things maybe for review. Let me know. You know, we try to keep that around 100 bucks. Let me know. Uh, we'll see if we can get it sent to you. You write it up or come on the podcast. Dwayne doesn't need anything more. He's got plenty. <laughs> I got enough to talk about. He's got plenty. Of, and literally, there's probably another three shows, I think, that we've got to do over. You know, we, you know, we, we got maybe halfway through the show notes tonight, and we've got plenty of shows to do with you. So tons of good stuff. I haven't even put in my app-controlled uh, tennis ball machine. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. The uh, the pet you've got a pet one too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. The pet feeder is amazing. Yeah. So we've got some things to talk about in coming shows. Dwayne, thanks for coming on. We'll remind everyone we're out here every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv/live. We're going to go into a little bit of post-show, and I'm going to move the post-show into Blab. So if you're watching live, hang tight. If you're not, you should join us live, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, theaverageguy.tv slash live. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>